Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. Before we get started here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, let me tell you about Football Insider, our text subscriber service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with the the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a tech service, pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Hey everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How you doing? Doing well, and also Ellis Williams joining us. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool. It's rainy out here um, with all the flash floods. I hope everyone in Cleveland and Northeast Ohio is safe. Uh, just a lot of rain coming down, man. It's crazy. For sure. And we can hear you now. We've had some, <laughs> some issues here on the Zoom where we haven't been able to hear each other, but we can yeah, hear you a- now. It's a podcast. That's you know, it's important that we can all hear each other. So we figured that out. <laughs> so, so we are we are good to go. So it is Texter Tuesday, and of course, uh, as we do every week, we do a call out to our Football Insider subscribers two one six two zero eight three nine six five. If you want to sign up for that and get a fourteen day free trial, you heard about that right off the top of the pod. But just a reminder, and I'll tell you again at the end as well. Uh, we put a call out for them to send us in questions. We got a few of those, and we also have some folks waiting here uh, to ask some questions. Uh, as well. So just a reminder, if you are waiting for a question, I'll come to you at some point. And if you want to start your video, then 
uh, you absolutely can. But remember, you could end up on our Browns YouTube channel uh, as well when we answer those questions. But there was a question sent in about injuries. And we know how big a part of football injuries can be. Uh, oftentimes, they can make or break a season. And I thought it would be interesting to throw this out right off the top. Our texter was asking specifically uh, about Joel Batonio. So we'll answer their question specifically, but I want to take it another direction uh, as well. The question is, uh, if Joel Batonio were to go down, you'd basically have Jedrick Wills out on an island. And Joel Batonio is a, a Pro Bowl guard. Uh, he's a guy that we've talked about over and over again. He's very important to Jedrick Wills' development, having him next to him. Uh, if Joel Batonio went down, what would the Browns do? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. It could be Nick Harris. It could be uh, Chris Hubbard, someone like that. But it got me thinking, and, and I'll ask this to each of you, who is the one guy on this team that the Browns can't afford to lose to injury? And are we going to exclude Baker Mayfield from that? I thought uh, maybe we... Yeah, yeah, we can exclude Baker from that because that seems like a gimme. So we can, we can exclude the quarterback position. All right, if we're going to exclude the quarterback, then I'm going to say Miles Garrett because I think he is Baker Mayfield's counterpart on defense. I think he uh, makes that defense go. Uh, he's one of the best players in the NFL. And we all saw what happened last year when he missed those final six games when he was on suspension. So I think you take him out of that defense, the house of cards kind of, kind of falls. He's the best player that they have over there. And I think that would be almost catastrophic. Ellis, who do you think? Yeah, there's going to be a theme here. Mary Kay's right on with the defense. This, it's reminding me a bit of last year already with the injuries piling up on that side of the football. But I'm going to go with Denzel Ward, uh, not because he's the impact player that Miles Garrett is, or at least not for Brown Sanders, hopefully yet that Miles Garrett is. But this secondary is becoming increasingly thin. We saw it as the Browns acquired Ron Harrison, and they're trying to make and shore up the secondary that – you know, Greedy Williams still up in the air, and uh, Kevin Johnson was hurt. Of course, we know about Grant Delpit. And whether it's a, a, a third safety or your starting corners, the secondary in general is beat up. And if anything happened to Denzel Ward right now, uh, we're probably already expecting Terrence Mitchell to be starting alongside Denzel. And Terrence is a quality defensive back, but he's not a starter in this league for a reason. He can come in and fill in if need be. But if you lose Denzel, now we're looking at a secondary that no team in the AFC North and really the league in general is going to be afraid of. Uh, so give me Denzel Ward, and it's a theme with this defense that they're, they're already getting thin and they haven't played a, a single game yet. And I think that's interesting because I think those two guys complement each other. Right. Uh, because you have Miles Garrett. You want him to get after the quarterback, uh, maybe force that quarterback to throw the ball before he's ready. Or, you know, you hit him and the ball goes up in the air. We know that Denzel Ward kind of has a little bit of that ball hawk in him. And I'm, I'm of the thinking just based off this camp that if Ward is healthy, honestly, with both these guys, that if they stay healthy, they're poised to have absolutely enormous seasons. Um, so I, I think you can make the case for either guy. I'd probably have to go with Miles. If, if I had to be like the tiebreaker here, I think I would go with Miles. Uh, but, you know, you, you could really make the case for either guy. I'm going to go offensively. How about uh, – I think if you lose Odell Beckham, that would really hurt you. I was going to go maybe Austin Hooper, but I just think having Odell Beckham for the same reasons that Miles Garrett is out there, he changes how a defense has to play you, right? So with Miles Garrett, he changes how an offense has to try and prevent him from getting to the quarterback. Odell Beckham, 
if he's out there, whether he's having a great year, an average year, whatever it is, you have to think about him and know where he is and account for him. Uh, so I would maybe say he's a guy that, that this team really can't afford to lose on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there over there on offense. I mean, he's, he's their deep threat. Uh, he's someone that you have to account for. If you can, you will try to slide some coverage over there and, and double him. That happens a lot. Don't know if they'll be able to do that as much this year. Uh, but I've been saying this all along. I think that those two guys, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr., should be in double-digit touchdowns together this year. If they can do that, the Browns are in the playoffs. I think it's huge. Yeah, Dan, I'm really, I'm really glad you mentioned Austin Hooper there. And much like Denzel and Miles, Odell and Austin are really going to complement each other just in the way that, as Odell was doing last year and as, as he's done really since his rookie year, in drawing double coverage and opening up that middle part of the field, I think we're going to see Austin Hooper benefit a lot and perhaps Odell's yardage numbers be a bit lower. But like Mary Kay said, the red zone areas where I think we're going to see Odell take a monster jump this year. And then Austin Hooper is going to be your, your monster in the middle of the field, you know, between the twenties racking up those yardage. And I, this offense would be a lot different without Austin Hooper too, but it definitely takes a blow that I don't know if it could sustain if it loses Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. Uh, let's move on to our next question. This one is about the game on Sunday. It is game week. I'm, I'm kind of starting to get excited a little bit. It, it's, it's been a weird lead up to game week. And actually, I'm going to switch gears here because I had asked uh, someone in the, the Zoom here to unmute themselves and they hadn't done yet. But I'm going to go to Terry instead. So, Terry, uh, can you hear us? Yes. All right. Uh, fire away with your question. Well, my question is about the linebacker situation with Goodson mysteriously missing or whatever. Are we going to be able to recover from this with no practicing and so forth for the last week? You know what, Terry, that is a great question. I have been asking myself that same question. Uh, B.J. Goodson started sort of disappearing from the field about a week and a half ago or so because of a personal reason. Not sure what it is yet. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is basically saying he's going to respect his privacy. I think the, uh, the message is I want you guys to respect his privacy as well. Uh, so he's been dealing with something, but to take him off the field for the last, I don't know, I've got to go back and count. It's like six or seven practices. It's a significant amount of practices that he has missed, and they haven't had very many to begin with. You're obviously already without Mac Wilson. So now you are looking at, uh, you know, hopefully B.J. Goodson will be back soon, hopefully for them. Kevin Stefanski says he will be. Uh, if he's back by, by Wednesday, they're off tomorrow. If he's back by Wednesday, for the installation of the game plan, they're going to be okay. If he has to deal with this throughout the week and cannot play, then you're getting into your depth. They're already down to probably Jacob Phillips, starting for Mac Wilson or Tay Davis. Uh, but you'll, you know, your starting linebackers in this scenario would be Sione Takitaki, Jacob Phillips, the rookie, and Tay Davis for the most part, with Malcolm Smith filling in. Uh, so it, it's a that's a tall order. It's not what you intended to have. And BJ has been the undisputed leader before he started going out. So I, I think that this is pretty serious. Yeah, we did a whole podcast about how, and I really owned up to the fact that I thought BJ Goodson was going to have to be not just the leader of this defense, but the most important player in the middle and command of the defense in order to take some pressure off the D line. And I also said this, and just in general, when it comes to football, as soon as JC Treader went down and we started speculating about whether you could play in week one or not. Uh, your gut really starts to worry about being in football shape. 
you know, you can get the game plan, you can know what's going on, but man, you practice for a reason. And it, when you're not in football shape, it is risky putting a guy out there, not only because of health reasons, but just they're not going to have the gas. They're not going to have the wind to go. And especially a spot like middle linebacker, again, the, the, the signal caller of this defense, I'm starting to worry about BJ Goodson. And then overall this, we've already been worrying about the linebacking core as a unit. And now we're starting to hit probably the orange to red uh, danger zone here where the Ravens, especially, it's not the matchup you want week one when you're trying to decide re-option and who are we tackling? Are we tackling ball? Are we tackling quarterback? Are we tackling the running back? And you've got inexperienced linebackers making reads that a guy like Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP is going to be able to dice up. So it's tough to sugarcoat it anymore. This Browns defense is going to be in for it Sunday and probably going to ask the offense to keep up with the Ravens. And then this defensive line, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon are going to have to really dominate up front to make up for what is starting to look like an absent linebacking core from the Browns, at least in week one. All right, uh, Terry, we appreciate it. And that actually leads us into the question I was going to get to here uh, before Terry jumped in. Uh, from the 516 area code, will the Browns come up with a good plan to contain Lamar Jackson? Again, like I was saying, it's game week. We actually get to talk about a football game finally, and it's a doozy of a football game. You're going against uh, uh, the AFC North favorite, a Super Bowl contender in the Baltimore Ravens, and of course the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, it was brought up to Kevin Stefanski today, whether they can, they can mimic Lamar Jackson's speed and athleticism. I actually wrote a story about that last year where they were using Kaderil Hodge and Odell Beckham and, and just throwing that guys out there to, to mimic what Jackson can do, which, which really speaks to his athleticism. Uh, so look, if linebackers, a question mark, what are you doing to try to contain Lamar Jackson? How are you keeping him in this offense in check? I think for me, it starts with a guy that we already talked about miles Garrett. If, if he's able to chase around Lamar Jackson, that level of athleticism coming off the edge, uh, that that's huge. That can change things, but this is going to be a tall task on Sunday. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I've mentioned this before. When I look out at the defensive line, I see a leaner, stronger, faster group of guys. Uh, I actually think the whole team looks that way to me. I think that was their marching orders in the offseason from Kevin Stefanski uh, to go out and get bigger, stronger, and faster. So just by virtue of that, I think that they should be better, uh, better equipped to try to do something about Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and, and those guys. But I also think we know the Baltimore Ravens. They did not rest on their laurels. And John Harbaugh has basically even said that. Uh, so you know that, that Lamar Jackson has gone out of his way uh, to improve the deep ball and his passing game and all those kinds of things. So... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how to defend him and how they try to defend him. Uh, but from a run game standpoint, I mean, it's going to have to be all hands on deck. And as we have just mentioned, the middle of the defense is not what you want it to be right now. They don't have Grant Delpit. So let's think of it this way. When they went into the season, they thought they were going to have Andrew Billings in the middle up front. They thought they were going to have Mac Wilson they thought they were going to have B.J. Goodson. Don't know about him right now. They thought they were going to have Grant. Uh, I, I mentioned Grant Delpit already, uh, or didn't I? Uh, they thought that they were going to have Greedy Williams. And, and you don't have any of those guys right now. So everybody's going to have to step it up. And it's going to have to be all hands on deck. Once again, though, starting out 
with those front four guys setting the edge and just doing whatever they can. Yeah, it takes immense discipline to stop a running quarterback. Uh, Mary Kay just said it. You got to have eyes on. These ends are going to have to contain. Your D tackles can't get too much depth. It is all eyes on Lamar Jackson. And then you don't expect really any man coverage on Sunday. I'd be surprised. You cannot have your safeties and your corners turning and running with any of these receivers or tight ends. All 11 guys need to have their eyes on the running quarterback. Now, I'm saying running quarterback. There's a big difference scheming against a running quarterback and someone as dynamic as Lamar Jackson, meaning you can't really plan for the the unorthodox ways of Lamar Jackson because everyone has a plan until Lamar Jackson pulls out of the belly of Mark Ingram or J.K. Dobbins and takes off down the field for 60 on a one-cut dash, and he's not losing that foot race. So, honestly, sometimes you cross your fingers, hope for the best, and, again, I think the pressure is going to be on this Browns offense to keep up with the Ravens' defense on Sunday. Okay, another question about the game from the 216 area code. Which side of the football, offense or defense, do you think uh, will have the hardest time performing in this first game when you consider – uh, no preseason, new coaching staff, haven't had a lot of time to, to really get everything in order. They haven't played a real game together. Which side of the football do you think that that impacts the most when they go against Baltimore? You know what? That's a great question, by the way. That's a really, really good question. Um, and it's a difficult one to answer. My first instinct is going to be the defense. And I think that's because of what the Ravens offense brings to the table and because of all those injuries that we just mentioned. There's a lack of continuity on defense. Walking out to practice yesterday, there I see Kevin Johnson, Nickelback standing out there watching. There's MJ Stewart, Stewart, the second team Nickelback standing out there watching. So now they're down to Tavier Thomas at Nickelback, okay? They are really into their depth and, um, and they just haven't been able to all work together to this point again mentioning bj goodson and those guys being out so i am going to say the defense in part because i think the offense can rely on some things it does really well including and especially nick chubb mentioned nick chubb and kareem hunt mentioned prominently by john Harbaugh today yeah i agree with mary Kay there except I'll say that the offense is at the disadvantage, but a guy like Kevin Stefanski is going to make sure that it's not a disadvantage. I hope that made sense. I can explain it in this way. They're just going to, it's going to be a simple attack. They're going to rely on what they do best. It's going to be a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt attack. They're going to run at you. They're going to have play action. It's what we've been preaching. And it's because they need to keep it simple. They don't have the time to be dropping back, have a three, five step um, intermediate passing game. I, I don't expect much of that. And because of that, Kevin Stefanski, again, will keep it simple, pitch, stretch, and just hope to get to second and manageable, third and short, and keep Baker Mayfield out of these third and nines. And one thing that I think Kevin Stefanski uh, mentioned that snuck through some of these pressers, and it, it, it's, it's common sense football, but I don't think coaches mention it enough, is it's, football isn't a game of, this is going to be funny when I say it, but just bear with me. It's not about who scores more. Now, if you just grab that, that sound bite there, I sound like I have no idea what I'm talking about. But Kevin mentioned it's about field position. It's a yo-yo game of, all right, you know, we're not scoring here, but we can pin them now with our special teams and they can be on the eight. Make Lamar Jackson go 92, 96, 88 yards to score on you. Bend, but don't break. If you think you're going to – you need touchdowns to keep up with Lamar Jackson and whatnot – 
that's how this offense is going to get in trouble. And they probably just don't have the firepower and the playbook installed to do that. So look for Kevin Stefanski to understand that they're playing with a short deck here, really. We've already talked about the injuries on defense and then the lack of time on offense to install. And it's going to be a field possession type of game in Baltimore. I just think that the edge the Browns have is even if the offense isn't on the same page, you've got those backs that John Harbaugh was talking about. You've got a, two rushing champs in your backfield. So there's some things you can do. So, so we might not see the real intricacies of this offense. We might not see the real like, oh, this is what this offense really is supposed to look like. But we're going to see some bits and pieces of it. And when all else fails, as long as you keep the game close, you can turn and start handing the football off to those guys and, and let them carry the load a little bit like you did uh, when you managed to beat Baltimore uh, the first time last year. And, and Nick Chubb had that enormous game capped off by that long run that, that essentially put the football game away. You can really rely heavily uh, on those two guys. Um, here's one about fans in the stands. This one also from the 216 area code, because we have an idea of what it's going to look like this year. Of course, the Ravens will not have fans uh, in that week one game. The Bengals and Steelers will not have fans at their home openers uh, this year. The Bengals will be allowed to start having fans uh, late, the next two games after their home opener. They're both in October. The Browns get to have fans for their first two games, but it's capped at 6,000. Uh, of course, look, the, the gist of this is there aren't going to be a lot of fans. It's going to sound different. And this person is saying, you know, can't help but wondering how much of a setback not having fans at football games this year will be. Uh, so I think, Maybe they're talking a little big picture as far as, you know, the impact it has on the game itself, but I'm just kind of more interested in what it's going to sound like in Baltimore. We'll have the, the piped in fan noise, but it's going to be strange. How do you think it impacts a team, Mary Kate, positively or negatively to not have fans or to have a, a small number of fans at a game? I think it's going to be huge. I, I just really think that it, remove so much of your home field advantage not to have your fans there. I mean, think about how loud it is in these stadiums when, uh, you know, when it's going well for your football team and a big play happens and it fires up. Think about all the Browns players that get so involved with the fans and they're firing them up and they're jumping into the dog pound. And I mean, it's an experience. It's an interactive experience with the fans. I, I just cannot even imagine a football game, an NFL game, without fans. I mean, Baltimore, Baltimore has almost got like a small, intimate feel to it in that stadium, doesn't it? I mean, it just feels like, you know, the fans are right there on top of the players. And, um, and it's, I, it's really enclosed too. Yeah, so it, it is. Really enclosed. I know. It's just, it's, it's going to be very weird. I think it, I think it removes a huge part of home field advantage. I really do. Yeah. And, and for this, there's two ways I look at it. Keeping it in week one, it actually is going to be a pro for the Browns with Mary Kay. Everything she said is dead on with there not being a home field advantage. Considering Cleveland, last time I checked, is about a touchdown underdog. You combine that with the fact that, and you've noticed in the NBA bubble, these deficits aren't too much to overcome anymore. You know, if Cleveland goes in there and is down 14-0 right away in the first quarter and Baltimore's going crazy, that game can tend to snowball. Think of uh, San Francisco last year. You know, it just gets out of control. Without fans there, you probably can control things a lot more and chip away at a comeback. But the negatives, as Mary Kay just said, the energy is going to be huge. And one thing I think these teams that have less experience, i.e. the Browns, are going to have to worry about is 
how quiet it may actually be in the stadium. I mean, these teams have signals and signs and verbal cues that they use that are muffled from the sound noise that opposing teams can't pick up. Now, if the Browns come in with a real simple playbook on both sides of the football and all of a sudden the other team, the Ravens can hear what the Browns are saying, you're going to, your plays are going to become predictable by halftime. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski has thought of something like that and we'll have dummy calls and be ready for it. But it is something that a first year head coach among a long list of a COVID season shouldn't have to deal with is having extra dummy signs because of uh, no crowd noise. It's, it's just, I can't even fathom what it's going to be like in that stadium. And again, if there's anyone that can handle it, it's, it's, it's the smarts of a guy like Kevin Stefanski, but man, what a challenge Sunday is going to be. What do you guys think of the fake crowd noise? I'm just curious. Now that we've seen it in baseball, we've heard it in the NBA. Uh, the Browns actually used it a little bit. Um, I don't remember if they used it on Friday night, but I know they used it on that, that Sunday when they practiced at the stadium. And I was actually sitting outside watching that practice. And it was, it was actually a little louder than I expected. I think it would probably drive me crazy if I was sitting in the stands. But uh, what are your thoughts on the fake crowd noise? I don't, I don't love it, but I don't mind it if it's not like super overwhelming at least. And I think the NBA has done a good job of making sure it's not overwhelming. Baseball's a little hit and miss by stadium, I think. Um, I, think you, I don't know. I, I could take it or leave it, I guess. I think you have to have it. I don't know. I just think it would be really eerily silent if you didn't have it. I think you, I think it would be weird for the players not to have any crowd noise. I mean, you know, they can almost try to forget about the fact that it's not coming from real people because they can be so focused in on the play, but to be in a stadium in the middle of a football game and there's no noise at all when there's a big play. There's no noise at all when, uh, you know, when, you're, when your team is trying to kick a field goal or whatever. I mean, I just think it would be weird for them and for everybody involved. I, I, I'm in favor of some fake noise. Yeah, Dan, they, they, uh, the Browns did crank a little uh, fake fan noise in on Friday. I was down in okay. section 106, and at first I didn't really know what was going on. It, it felt like a buzzing, a constant buzzing going on, and then – I put two and two together. I'm like, oh, well, because there was a fan that started a here we go brownies chant, which was nice. You know, it felt like, uh, you know, the season was back. And then you compare that to the artificial noise and you really hear and feel the difference. And to me, it felt like I was playing a Madden video game. It really felt like I was playing a video game, that crowd noise. It's, it's all electronic. And I agree with Mary Kay. It needs to be there. But yeah, man, it feels like you're, you're watching a video game and because it, it, it's just not authentic and it's you know it's, it's almost like it's on a loop and maybe that gets better as the season progresses but it's going to take a while getting used to that all right we're going to take a break here on this uh texture tuesday edition of uh the orange and brown talk podcast when we come back uh, we're going to get put on the spot by one of our texters uh, to make a prediction for the browns this season it's getting close we're gonna have to go on record with that soon enough anyway so at least we can kick that around a little bit we'll do that right on the other side of this break I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. And here we go from the 216 area code again. Uh, with all that has happened this season, COVID-19, no preseason game, shortened training camp, how can the Browns or any team be really ready to start the season? But in spite of all that, I'm asking for your predictions of the Browns record this year. I'm thinking eight and eight. If you disagree, why? Okay, so if we're starting at eight and eight, are you saying over, under, agree? Where, where are you leaning, Mary Kay? This isn't the official prediction. We'll, have, we'll all have posts coming this week with our official predictions. But, but right now, on the Tuesday leading into the first week of the season, are you over 8-8, eight eight, under 8-8? Eight eight? Where are you? 
so hard. You know, I was at nine and seven heading into training camp. That was the number that was in my mind. And then guys started dropping and I started thinking, whoa, I don't know if they are going to get there. And then Baker, you know, then I realized it's going to take him a little while to come up this learning curve. It's going to take Jed Wills a while to come up his learning curve. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how quickly Baker can assimilate this offense. He might not look that great in week one, but I think then he can come back and win weeks two and three. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, I think the Bengals are going to be really motivated for that Thursday night game. And they, you know, they have the knowledge that they beat the Browns in the finale last year. And a lot of those guys, including Joe Mixon, they've got a lot of heart and soul to try to come out and, and beat the Cleveland Browns. So that's not going to be an easy out, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I hate to change the answer to the test. So <laughs> I still, I still think maybe nine and seven, but don't hold me to it. It's not going to be easy to get there. Yeah. Following a similar formula with Mary Kay, uh, I, I think, I think this is an eight and eight football team. I wrote a story about uh, probably a month ago now, how I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and the Browns in general should target leading the league in rushing. And in that data, I found that uh, when not in, in rushing attempts, excuse me, leading the league in rushing would be great. Who wouldn't want to do that, but target a league lead in attempts. And when you do that, coaches first year coaches tend to finish eight and eight or better and correct me if I'm wrong we can go back and look at the history books you two would know but I believe since the Haslam's bought the Browns there hasn't been a first year head coach to go eight and eight or better in Cleveland history so be a pretty good season be historic for Kevin Stefanski but just like Mary Kay said the injuries started piling up you start realizing Jedrick Wills probably isn't as ready as uh, again I keep going to Madden but you know that Madden overall plug in and play type of scenario uh, gives him and again these injuries on defense are you can't ignore him any longer so for me now this looks like a seven and nine football team I think this first four these first four games are going to be tough the two games and five nights is just a really difficult ask of uh, this team and Kevin Stefanski and I think they come on strong at the end of the year sort of like they, they did two years ago in Baker's rookie year uh, so give me seven and nine and I know that's probably not what Browns fans want to hear but you, you got to be realistic and it's going to be It'll be a, a good-looking 7-9 if that's any sort of consolation. Yeah, I, I think the schedule is a little sneakier tough than people are giving it credit for. Um, you know, there, there are certainly some, some games that you would hope if this is a, a good enough football team would be, you know, gimmies, at least, you know, relative to other games. But, I mean, you, you've got a pretty difficult schedule. It's not as tough as last year, but I think – you know, if you can sort of survive early on, right? So if they go to Baltimore and they lose that game, okay, whatever, it's Baltimore. If they win, that's great. Uh, but then you've got the Bengals and Washington. So you've got to figure out a way to win those two games because then you turn around and you play the Cowboys, Colts, and Steelers. And, you know, who knows what kind of state those teams are going to be in, but those are three pretty difficult games uh, there as well. So this might be a team that, like you said, Alice, starts a little slow. But if you can sort of set up that push towards the end, you, you know, you can make a run. Eight and eight is a really boring pick, but it is sort of where I'm leaning right now, too, to be honest with you. It's sort of like, you know, well, do you think this is going to happen? Yeah, it's 50-50. That's sort of where, how I feel when I say they're going to go eight and eight. But I do kind of feel just sort of in my gut, that's kind of where this team goes. Maybe I'll talk myself into something a little more interesting by the time I actually have to post it. You know, I, I think uh, there are some things that we, there are some unknowns 
heading into the season, as there always are, but there are two things that stand out in my mind as far as we don't know how they're going to go and they will impact the season in a huge way. Number one, how is Ben Roethlisberger going to come off of his elbow surgery, right? I mean, we are all sitting on the edge of our chair wondering how that's going to go because I'm hearing that their defense looks really good this summer. So that's something to keep an eye on. And then the other thing is, what kind of an impact is Joe Burrow going to have on those Cincinnati Bengals in his rookie year? I mean, look, Baker came in and was kind of lights out in, in those last eight games of his rookie year. Again, they were playing against the worst defenses in the NFL in most cases, and nobody wanted to take a look at that back then. Um, but it's how does Joe Burrow come in and handle this COVID-marred season? I mean, we talk about Jed Wills. Imagine being a rookie quarterback. Now the advantage they have is that their system was in place and everybody else was kind of in place. And then you're just kind of plugging in a quarterback. Whereas the Browns, everybody's learning a new language. Everybody's learning a new scheme. Uh, so those are two things that we just don't know how they're going to go yet. And they will loom large in the Browns record. Yeah. Mary Kay, I'm really glad you brought up the AFC North quarterback situation. I think it's fascinating Baker Mayfield could finish anywhere between the second best quarterback in the division or fourth. And the latter is not an option, but as you said, we're going to find out and there's a lot of wild cards there. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to wrap this up here soon, but uh, let's do some, uh, let's do some quick hits on some of these. I think, I think there's some good kind of rapid fire opportunities here. Um, two from the 202 area code, actually they gave me their name, uh, Josh from Chevy Chase, Maryland, actually, Three questions here. So uh, rapid fire on these. Who do we think is going to be calling plays for this team? Kevin Zupanski. Ellis? Van Pelt. I'm with <laughs> Ellis. Van Pelt. All right. His second question. Is the quality of the defensive line as good as advertised? I say yes. Yes. Home run. They're, they've got just studs up there. It's going to be a good year for that unit. Okay. Uh, let's see here. The third question is what concern might exist off the radar other than the uh, than that back seven, which, which we've talked about. Uh, you, you have one off the top of your head? Left tackle. Jed, Jed has to come up. Jed's got to just be ready to roll uh, in very trying circumstances. Ellis? Yeah, if I, can, if I can't take that one, let's go with the tight end two spot. Tight end two is a huge part of Kevin Spancy's offense. And if David Njoku looks like the guy at the scrimmage, then great. If he looks like David Njoku of old, then I don't know if these other tight ends are ready to step into as important a role as Stefanski will demand of them. I'm going to say if J.C. Treader can't go on Sunday, that's a problem. Got good news today. He's back in practice. He was in pads. But I'd be concerned if he couldn't go. From the 203 area code, what sleeper player do you think is set up for a big year, a sleeper player. I put myself out there on Denzel and Miles Garrett, but those guys aren't sleepers. So let me think. Do either of you have one here? Um, for a big year, how about? Harrison Bryant, maybe. Harrison, I mean, that's a good one. I don't know if he's necessarily a sleeper. I mean, we've kind of talked a lot about him. Um, you know, Kaderil Hodge is somebody that could play that role if he ends up getting in there more than we think he will. It's going to be hard to be on the field as a third receiver, but he's somebody that could have a little bit of a, a sneaky sleeper kind of a year. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. I'll go Jack Conklin, and I know he's the highest paid tackle in free agency, but we're just, we haven't talked about him. And if they can just run right and protect Jedrick in that way, 
uh, he could prove to be, you know, one of the most valuable tackles and one of the most valuable players on this team. So give me Jack Conklin as a sleeper, just in a way, because we're not talking about him. I liked, I liked Kaderil Hodge. I thought that was a good one. I, I was thinking about that one. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with Kaderil settling in as that third receiver um, as well as maybe a sleeper guy uh, from the 702 area code. A few more of these. How confident are you that Austin Seibert could hit a game winner from outside of 45 yards? He says, be honest. And I'll be honest. I don't know. I, if we're in Baltimore on September 13th and he's lining up to win that football game from 51, I'm a little nervous. I got to see it. If I see it a couple times, great. We're all in. But that's the life of a kicker, right? You've got to prove it. He missed all of, all of his misses were from 40 yards and out last year. And now you bring in Cody Parkey. He's on the practice squad right now. He's going to press Austin Seibert. Austin's going to have to continue to get better, especially on the long ball. Cody Parkey is something like, I think, 8 of 10 from 50 yards and out. So it's just two different animals that you've got going. And Austin Seibert missed four extra points. You can't be missing extra points in the NFL. Yeah, special teams coordinator Mike Prefer has gone through this before. I mean, he's a lifetime special teams coach. Um, I think at his time in Minnesota with Blair Walsh, it didn't end well. I'm hoping you learn some things from that. And Pref knows how to get his guys ready. And if it comes down to it, once you nail it that one time, your confidence through the roof, you probably don't have to worry about it again. But it's going to come down to that one kick. I, I like the question. All right, two more. Uh, this one about the third receiver. I'm actually writing about this today. Who is it? Who's the third receiver? You guys know You guys know how I feel about the third receiver, but who do you have there right now? Well, are you wanting us? Uh, Kareem Hunt. It can be. We can answer okay, yes. that way. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I'm just going to go from a purist standpoint right now uh, because I think I agree with you. Kareem Hunt's going to be on the field a lot as the third receiver. But if we're just talking in terms of I walked into the receiver room today and I had to point to the third receiver, I'm going to say Richard Higgins for right now. And I'll say this, the receiver that I think is going to finish with the third most receiving yards on this team, give me Jarvis Landry. Okay. I love the semantics arguments that we have over this. <laughs> when we did the 20 questions too, the, the Mary Kay Scott and I all got into the semantics of third receiver. Uh, I'll say this with Higgins. I've been thinking about it. Um, you know, Baker developed that really great rapport with him, of course, in 2018. But I thought he also did the same thing with Kareem Hunt. And I wonder if, uh, if that might be the decision they have to make is between Higgins and Hunt. And then maybe Hodge is your guy who's actually like technically your third receiver. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Okay, very last question from the 353 area code. Uh, you know what? I'm going to cheat because they say apart from quarterback, what position group, this is Rory from Wisconsin, what position group will be the most critical to beating the Ravens? I'm going to say you can include quarterback because I want to know just the straight up answer. What position is the most critical position? I know we've talked about this a little, just quick answer. If the Browns beat the Ravens, why did it happen? What player, what position are we talking about? You know what? I, I have to go with quarterback if you're going to let me because, I mean, you need Baker Mayfield not to be throwing interceptions. And if he starts throwing interceptions, he is going to be standing on the sidelines. Kevin Stefanski's not going to put up with that. That is not what's supposed to happen in this offense. There's enough outlet passes. There's enough low risk. There are enough options that you don't have to be forcing the football. So if Baker Mayfield can protect the ball, they can stay in the football game. I say Baker. Yeah, I'm bending this one too. I'm going to the uh, front 
of both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. Tennessee Titans laid out the formula beating the Ravens, control the ball on offense, so run it, keep possession, and then on those critical fourth downs and third and shorts, you need to push Baltimore back and get off the field. If the Browns can do that and gain some momentum, then they're going to control this game and they can sneak out a win. But if, if, they're, get, if they're letting Baltimore get whatever they want because their front units aren't in control, then it, it could get ugly. I think if the Browns are winning that game late on Sunday, Mary Kay will be sitting at M&T Bank Stadium. And I think I'll turn to you and I'll say, you know what? Miles Garrett just might win Defensive Player of the Year this year. I think it's going to be Miles Garrett uh, if the Browns win. That's the guy that we're going to be talking about a lot. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of our Texter Tuesday. I appreciate everybody that texted in questions and, and the folks that joined us to ask a question. Terry actually was, was our guy that did it today. If you want to get involved, it's 216-208-3965. It gets a 14-day free trial. And we're doing lots of fun stuff with our texters here as the season gets going. There's a chance for you to come on and pick some games. Uh, we're going to do post-game shows for our texters to, to vent or celebrate after the Browns games on Sundays every week. So uh, you want to get involved in this. Uh, again, text that number 216-208-3965. And also make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.